0: Hey, welcome to the Risen Nation Church podcast. We're so happy you've joined us. We at Risen Nation Church believe that we are called to prepare a place for God's presence and God's people. If you'd like more information on how to connect or volunteer or even to partner with us in this season, you can find out more information at risennation.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. And uh, a little chubbier, a little redder, but uh, better hair. Thank you. I love you, Brian. <laughs> Hear that, William? This is just higher. Just because it's higher doesn't mean it's better. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for those of you watching, we welcome you, and I wanted to just bless William and honor him and Emily. Can we bless God for them? I'm so <laughs> proud of him and how God is... Babe, can I have my my water, and how God is using him, Thanks. it's amazing to see, and uh, we grew up together, we lived in the, we shared a room until we moved to Texas, which, <coughs> when we moved here, I was 23, so that's weird to Americans, but uh, we were always super close, we barely ever fought, and and the Lord just knitted us together, uh, not only as brothers, but, but spiritually, I, th- I think I told the way class this once, but William and I used to love the show Friends, and for those that offends anybody, it was before Christ, it's okay. Uh, we used to love that show, but we were, we were dedicated uh, even as a young age, and, and I believe that God, that God remembers that when I see how God is using William. And we would never ever watch anything until we read our Bibles together. And every single night, we'd turn on the light in the room, and each of us would be on our bed or on our desk, whatever, and we'd always read the word together, and I'll never forget those memories. And I think God, God remembers and God honors those years. And uh, I've shared this before, but my, just to kind of give you background about myself, my, my growing up uh, in the Lord and my season of change where God transformed my life happened in Tustin, California in a uh, 30,000 square foot church building that we had at Resurrection Life Center. And down in the, the bottom corner, <clears throat> the bottom floor of the church, Excuse me. The bottom floor of the church was a media room, an old concrete walled media room. I don't even think there was any insulation because it was always like 100 degrees hotter or 100 degrees colder than the rest of the building. And it was where all the equipment was. And I remember I had just graduated high school and I thought I was a big shot and uh, I thought I was going to go to college and play football. And my dad grabbed me one week in the green room uh, with one of our pastors there, Pastor Leo. And he said, son, Monday you're gonna uh, meet with Pastor Leo in the media room. And ever since then, I guess I was the media guy at church. And for those of you that are pastor's kids, you know that you don't have to have an interview, you don't have to be told in advance, you just automatically serve at church your entire life. And we had, at one point, Pastor Mark, my father-in-law remembers, we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, we had Wednesday night, we had Bible studies throughout the week. We always were at church. I have more memories at church as a kid than at home. It's weird, but that's the life of a, Kevin knows. It's the life of a pastor's kid. And so God took me from everything that I thought was going to happen with my life. And I didn't really, you know, I loved the Lord and I served my father and I did what he asked me to do. And I was at church every week and I had a sick suit on every week and I had gaiters and all the, you know, we, we got all done up and, and, I thought I had everything together and my life figured out, and I really didn't want to go into ministry. But then there was these tapes from 1988, 1989, 1987, 1992. And my job was to take these old tapes of my father preaching when everyone thought he was a heretic and everyone thought he was crazy. And I had to edit those things day in and day out. And I I weep before the Lord. thinking about it, because it was in those hours that God changed me and shaped me. So I say all that to say, let the word change you every day. Dive into it. Seek him like you've never sought him before. If there was a season where we need to go after God, and I'm gonna talk about seeking him uh, a little bit and what that means, and it's um, it's not a lazy word. It's not a... I'll read my Bible when I have a chance, word. It is a, my my hair is on fire. I am running after you for my entire life. If I don't find you, I will die. This is the type of seeking it's gonna require in this in this season. And the, the world is going darker and darker and further and further from the truth. And the sons of God have to be louder and louder and brighter and brighter into him. Amen? All right, y'all, um, can we get some, Light up here so I can see. You all in 2 uh, Chronicles chapter 17? So um, the last several weeks, the Lord has been, I just can't get away from uh, the last several chapters in 2nd Chronicles, and the Lord has been ministering to my heart through some of these stories. And how many of you know that the Old Testament is our schoolmaster, that the Old Testament is is the Holy Spirit revealed in the new he is, I mean, c- concealed in the new he is revealed, amen? And so 2 Chronicles chapter 17 begins talking about a king of Judah and his name was Jehoshaphat. How many of you ever read this story? It's a great name I'm thinking about for our boy, babe, Jehoshaphat. <laughs> so my name would be Chubby. So I don't know where that came from. Um. So Second Chronicles chapter 17. So this Jehoshaphat, I just like saying the name, um, was a righteous king. And his father Asa was also a righteous king. They both loved the Lord and they destroyed the images of Baal. They tore down uh, evil things and wicked things that went on in their, in their territories. And, and let's begin reading in verse... Three. And it says, Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Verse ten. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah, so they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. So in the time of Jehoshaphat, there was peace because he sought the Lord because he set his eyes on him and he destroyed the things of Baal and, <clears throat> and he kept his eyes on the Lord and he made sure that nothing in his kingdom, nothing in his temple would, um, would disrupt that, would defile anything that had to do with the Lord. And verse 10 says, and the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as a tribute, and the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. Verse 12, so Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful, and he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. He had much properties in these cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. So the Lord blessed Jehoshaphat so much that it brought fear on the Philistines. It brought fear on his enemies that they actually came and gave him gifts. So this was a powerful, mighty, rich, wealthy king. Y'all following me? And he was a king that loved the Lord and did what was, uh, what was holy in the Lord's sight. Turn to a, one chapter over to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture today, but I pray that it ministers to your heart because this, this is exactly where we are as the church. And there's a couple of things, and, and as we read the story, I, I think you guys are going to think I'm going to go somewhere with the story, but I'm not. So just sit tight. And let me just make a disclaimer, nothing that I am saying this morning has anything to do with politics. So just get that out of your mind. This has to do with who we are as the sons of God and what our mission is. But there's three principles that I want to talk about today that Jehoshaphat lives out in this chapter 20. And we can learn from the life of this man. Um, And he didn't necessarily end well, but we're going to get to that and we're going to see why. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, it says, It happened after this that the people of Moab, the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared, you want to underline that, circle it, and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah, so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah, they came to what? Seek the Lord. So jump down to uh, verse 12. O our God, will you not judge them? And so Jehoshaphat, let me just give, preface that. Jehoshaphat goes through this prayer, and he's asking God, and he's saying, O oh Lord God, are you not the God in heaven? Are you not the one who rules over all the kingdoms of the nations? In your hand is there not power and might? And he's, and he's begging God and he's asking him to save him. And he says, are you not the God that is the friend of Abraham? And he's, he's begging with God to save him in this time because it says he feared. But the immediate response was to seek the Lord. And then jump down to verse 12. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? Speaking of his enemies, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Now think about where we are as, as a church and, and the season that we've been in and where we're going. And we thought we had something planned. We thought we had a good plan. We thought we had a good idea. We thought we had a good vision as a church. And then God shifted it all. <clears throat> Nor do we know what to do. So we have no idea, we have no power against this multitude, we have no power against these people that are coming against us, and we have no idea what we're doing, but our eyes are upon you. If there is an anthem that I want to be for this church is God, even though we have no clue what we're doing, sometimes our eyes are upon you. Verse 15, and he said, listen all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you, And this is a prophet that is speaking to them now. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Jump down to verse 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Someone say, position yourselves. That's all we have to do in this season is position ourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you, O Judah and O Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with the voices loud and high. This, hopefully we have time, but after. I'm done bringing you this. I wanna praise him with voices loud and high because I believe that God is gonna, we're gonna leave this place, that God is gonna launch us into a new season of worship and praise with voices loud and high. And notice that, that in his fear, he sought the Lord and before he even fought, they brought, they brought worshipers in and they worshiped the Lord. Verse 20, so they rose up early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa We're going to see what that means in a little bit. And they went out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. I love this part. Verse 22, for when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. Meaning, the Lord set ambushes on on them they didn't have to do anything. Jehoshaphat's army just had to worship and stand and watch, and they watched all of their enemies kill themselves. <clears throat> so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, so he's looking over the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and they were dead bodies falling all on the earth, and no one had to escape. So Jude, Jehoshaphat and Judah's only weapon in this whole battle was praise. Their only weapon in this whole battle was seeking their affections. We're seeking the one. We're seeking the face of their savior. We're seeking the only one that can save them. They came to the end of the road. They had nowhere else to turn, nothing else to do. Three nations were coming to attack this one nation and they had no, nothing else to do, no one else to ask, no one else for help. They had nothing else to do. And the Lord, because of the praise, it says, and when they began to praise, It doesn't say the Lord sent ambushes and then they praised in thanksgiving, even though that's good, too. It says, but they praised first and they sung first and then the Lord sent ambushes against their enemies. Verse 26. And on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka and for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the place was called the Valley of Baraka until this day or the Valley of Blessing. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries. So what started out as fear of Jehoshaphat became fear of the Lord on his enemies. And all the kingdoms of those countries, when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Someone say amen. It's one of my favorite stories. And I, we don't have time to get into half of what's in here. Um, but how many of you know that the word Judah means praised? So God raised up this king of praise. God raised up this king of worship to lead his people in praise and their praise led to their victory. But there's three principles, if you wanna write them down, that I want to, um, well, I'm just gonna give you two. I'm not gonna give you the last one yet. There's two principles I wanna talk about and then we'll get to the third one. First is that uh, the people of Judah sought the Lord. The second is that they praised. Verse three says that Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. So, how many of you know that fear? All fear is is the soul's response to the unknown. So, you could write that down if you want. All fear is is the soul's response to the unknown. So, if you if you have a uh, your car starts smoking and you go to the mechanic and and they're looking at it and you're sitting in the waiting room, that's fear because you don't know how much it's gonna cost. If you have an emergency, if you have something you have to pay for that you don't have the money for, that's fear because you don't know how you're gonna pay for it. If you have something happens and you have a huge savings account, there's a little less fear because you have the money. Y'all with me? Something's bothering you, you go to the the hospital, you go to the doctor, whatever, they take x-rays, they take a CAT scan, whatever, you're sitting in the, the waiting room and you don't know what's going on, you don't know any answers yet, fear creeps in because it's your soul's, not your spirit. I'm choosing my words carefully here, it's not your spirit, it's your soul's response to fear. I'm sorry, your soul's response to the unknown. And we know that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1, 7, but he will use our fear to draw us closer to himself. So God used the fear of Jehoshaphat because he feared, and he had nowhere else to turn, He used that, and it caused Jehoshaphat to seek the Lord. The story of Jehoshaphat reveals to us that every time our soul fears, the correct response is always to seek him. Because if we seek him, we will always find him. The seeking is a prerequisite to finding all the time. Because he, uh, in Proverbs chapter eight, verse 17, it says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Matthew seven, verses seven and eight says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, find, finds. And to him who knocks, will it? be open so if we seek him with all of our heart we are guaranteed to find him is that blessing anybody you might want to write that down if you seek him with all your heart you are guaranteed to find him and so the word seek it means to it is way beyond like i said earlier it is way beyond a uh, a waking up before i go to work to spend time with them, even though that's great, and we should do that. It's it's way beyond. I'm gonna pray when it's convenient. It's way beyond. I'm gonna read my Bible when my kids napping. It's it's way beyond all that. Seeking is to search out. It's to strive after. It's to ask, beg, beseech. It's to desire. It's to inquire. It's to get. It's to make inquisition. To procure, request. It is to require or to seek. After It is a running after that if I don't find what I'm seeking, I'm going to die. That's what that word, that that, uh, Hebrew word comes from. It is a seeking. It is a longing. It is my hair is on fire. There is a lion chasing me. I am running with everything within me after you because if I don't find you, I am going to die. If I don't find you, my enemies are going to win. That's what it means. And when we seek him with this kind of urgency, when we seek him with this desperation, Like Kaylee was talking about during worship, it is a desperate, Lord, if you don't come through, if you don't do this now, I don't know where I'm going to be or what's going to happen to me. I am wholly, solely dependent on you. And when we come to that place, God says, perfect. Now I can move. Is this ministering to anybody? If we can fully comprehend what it means to seek him, then all fear will be expelled because we will always be certain of the outcome. Let me say that again. If we can fully comprehend what it means to seek him, then all fear will be expelled because we will be certain of the outcome. In other words, seeking him removes the unknown in our life, which destroys the fear in our life. So if you are fearful about anything, if you are anxious about anything, how many of you are a little bit anxious with the time, times we're in? It's okay, it's okay. If you are fearful, if you are wondering what's going on next, if you are in a season of, I don't know where to turn, I don't know what to do, I don't know what God's doing in the world, I don't know what God is doing in the church, I don't, I don't have any money, I don't have a job, I'm looking, what, what do you want me to do right now, God? And fear starts to creep in. Our soul's immediate response needs to be to seek him, and it will destroy all fear because seeking him is actually the victory. It actually leads to the victory. You all with me? So we get into a place where we, we strive for things and we strive for money and we, we strive for that job and we, we strive to, to, to grow the church and we do all these things that we try to muster up and do ourselves and God is just waiting for us to come to a place where we must seek him, where it's our only place to turn. <clears throat> Look at uh, verse 20 again in Second Chronicles 20. And there's a word in here uh, that I wanna talk about. And I'm gonna get to my next point, which is praise. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Everyone says Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. So he went into this place called Tekoa. And so when you read the scriptures, it's important that you don't just breeze through it, and, and just skip the words you can't pronounce, which is what I do sometimes. You have to look up what the meaning of these words is, what the Holy Spirit is saying and revealing to us through them. So the word tekoa, uh, it literally means a stockade or a blockade, like a, a barrier. <clears throat> and it actually uh, uh, comes from the, the, the meaning praise. It means a barrier against attack, So this word actually means a blockade of praise, a barrier of praise, a wall, a protection of praise. So he went down to the wilderness into a barrier of praise, a barrier against attack, a blockade of praise. Are you all with me? God is calling his worshipers in this season that he is barricading with praise. We are in a season of worship, My father said on New Year's Eve that we are entering into a new season of worship like we have never seen. And we're already beginning to see it. Isaiah 60 verse 18 says violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. But you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise, meaning your defense, your structure, what keeps you from the world, what keeps you, what protects you, what what keeps you in the house. What keeps you safe is our praise. Amen? I know this is simple, but is it blessing anybody? Because it blessed me? Our praise is our fortress. Our praise is our protection. Our praise is our defense, and our praise is our victory. Seeking always leads to praise, and praise will always lead to victory. Write it down. Seeking will always lead to praise, and praise will always lead to victory. Like the children of Israel that shouted at Jericho, God was requiring their praise. Like Gideon's army who shouted and broke their lamps as as an army of 300 that was actually split up into armies of 100. And they shouted and they blew their trumpets and they praised God and their praise was their victory. And we see that Jehoshaphat and his people didn't lift a finger, but their praise was their victory and their praise was their protection. It actually will destroy, and I'm praying that as I am speaking this morning, as the Spirit of God is speaking to us this morning, that fear is being removed out of all of our lives. And sometimes as Christians, because we quote verses and we go to church, we think that fear is not creeping in, and we're deceived because our soul is playing tricks on us. And sometimes our soul can fear, and we don't think we're fearing. But God is taking away all fear, and it's an easy formula. It's called Lift Your Voice and praise his holy name. It's called worship him when there's nothing else to do. It's called to praise him and to seek him earnestly like your life depends on it. Like if you don't find him, you're going to die. You have no other way to turn but to praise him. And what a place that is to be, and it abolishes all fear. In this new season we are stepping into as a church We will not be measured by how many people we can fit in the building, but by how loud our praise is. Praise and worshiping Jesus is our greatest weapon and it is our greatest protection. In this season, God is separating a people of praise to himself. This is where I wanna get to. This is the last point and then I'm done. 2 Chronicles chapter 18. So this, this mighty, amazing ruler, this wealthy king, uh, Jehoshaphat, from the lineage of David, there was nothing that he lacked. He did what was righteous in the sight of the Lord. But there was one little thing. There was one little thing that the Lord kind of had ought with him, to use a uh, biblical term with. There was one thing that kept him from not finishing well. And it actually was the same thing that kept his father from not finishing well. And in uh, chapter 18, verse one, it says, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. And by marriage, he allied himself. Someone say allied. He allied himself with Ahab, who was a wicked king. And so Ahab wanted to go and attack uh, Ramoth Gilead. He wanted to go and attack another nation. And and he goes to um, his brother-in-law by marriage, uh, Jehoshaphat, and he says, will you go to battle with me? Will you go to war with me? And Jehoshaphat, knowing that he is a wicked king, he says, let's ask the, the prophets of the Lord. So Ahab gets the prophets of the Lord that he likes, that are his yes men, that tell him what he wants to hear, tell him, of course you'll be victorious. And then Jehoshaphat is a man of God, so he knows. And he says, no, I mean a real prophet of the Lord. Let's get this guy, Micaiah. He is a real prophet of the Lord. And, and Ahab's like, in, in today's terms, like, I hate that guy. He always prophesies that I'm gonna be destroyed. (laughs) So let's get guys who are gonna prophesy lies to me so I can be comfortable. And Jehoshaphat says, no, let's get this guy, Micaiah, and basically Micaiah says that uh, he's a real prophet and he basically said all the other prophets that they have a lying spirit, that they, were, uh, they had a lying spirit on them and they lied to you that you're not actually gonna succeed, but God's gonna scatter you and God's gonna destroy your nations. And so Ahab was pretty upset, but Jehoshaphat allied himself with this Ahab. Jump over to verse nineteen. I'm char- sorry, chapter 19, verse two. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden images from the land. So he's saying that the the, the wrath of the Lord is upon you, but there's good things in you because you removed all the wooden images and you've prepared your heart to seek the Lord. So God didn't forget that about Jehoshaphat, but he did say that the wrath of the Lord is upon you because you've allied with a wicked king. And down to verse 35, and it says, after this Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself again with Ahazah, king of Israel, who acted very wickedly, and he allied with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, and they made the ships, and I can't pronounce that, but Eleazar, the son of Dadova of Merishah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied yourself with Ahazah, the Lord has destroyed your works. Then the ships were wrecked so that they were not able to go to Tart. And you don't hear uh, much about Jehoshaphat after that and he died and he was buried with his fathers. But in verse 36, the word join or the word allied, it means to unite. So just keep that word in mind. It means to bind together, to be coupled with, to fascinate. It means to charm, to have fellowship with, to make alliance with. But most of all, it means to unite. It means unity. Jehoshaphat did a lot of things right, and the Lord blessed him abundantly and used him greatly and gave Judah rest for war. So because of this great king, Judah didn't have any war, but Jehoshaphat sought the Lord because he and his father, I'm sorry, even though Jehoshaphat sought the Lord, he and his father Asa did one thing that displeased the Lord. Y'all with me? So in a season where we're hearing a lot about unity right now, can I address it? Can I address that? In a season where the Lord and even some in the church are calling for unity, God is setting apart a remnant for himself that refused to conform and unify with a dark and wicked world. <clears throat> a lifetime of righteousness, a lifetime of destroying Baal, a lifetime, a generation. And usually if you read Second Chronicles or if you read the king's books, if you read about these ancient kings, usually what happens is there's like one righteous and then like 14 evil and then like one righteous and then there's a bunch of evil. But this was a kind of a rare instance where the father and son, so it's a generational of, of righteous men that love the Lord, that sought after the Lord, that did this amazing thing in battle where they praised God through their battles and their enemies were defeated. And the Lord says, and the prophet of the Lord comes to him and says, but you've allied yourself with these wicked ones. Psalms four, verse three says, but know that the Lord has set apart for himself he who is godly. Um, If I can get Jonathan back on the keys. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter six. Let me just make disclaimers. I am not talking about do not love the world. I'm not talking about do not be friendly, do not be kind. I'm not talking about uh, do not be a good neighbor. I'm, Jesus loved the world, like William said in John 3, 16, that anyone who comes to him will be saved. Je- I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about love. I'm talking about conformity. And when we hear the word unity on our media, and I don't want to get political, the Lord knows this is not what I'm talking about, but I'm coming as a servant of God to warn his church. Because... What the devil does is he uses these words that sound good. He uses these words that sound like, yeah, that makes sense. We should do that as a country. But I follow a Jesus who didn't bring a lot of unity. He actually brought a sword. And he actually made a separation. And we see in the book, we see in Exodus that God said to the Israelites that I have made a difference, that I have, that is severed, that I have cut off Israel from Egypt that no matter what happens in Egypt, Goshen will be protected. It's that barrier of praise. But if we get caught up into this, we need to unify. We need to we need to come together as, as one nation. And I'm not against that, but I'm against, what are we coming together for? Are you joining to me and repenting? Or am I joining to you and conforming? There's a big difference. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial or with the devil? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. So I'm telling Risen Nation Church and all those that are watching, come out from among them and be separate. Dare to be different. Dare to not unify. Dare to not conform because in their unity is where the evil lies. It's their coming together. It's We can do all these great things in your name but you have allied with wicked ones. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. My father said last week that we are entering into a season of separation. That as the world is calling for unity, it's not so much unity as it is control. It is the control of evil. It's the influence of evil. It's the permeating of evil and corrupting. And what I don't understand and please hear my heart in this. I'm not talking about not loving the world and I'm not talking about going, not going and making disciples. What I am talking about is not unifying with that which is totally against God. Or do you guys see the difference between that? So we can unify. I can go to somebody's house that is, is not walking with the Lord, that is does evil things. I can go to the prison and I can pray for that person and I can heal that person. And God willing, I will lead that person to repentance. And then at that point, then we become unified because the only real unification is when sons and daughters rise up and unify in worship to our God and unify together in righteousness because Jesus isn't so much interested in unity as he is in righteousness. The world will tell you that unity is the answer, but we know that Jesus is the only answer. God is looking for a people to unify with, sorry, God is not looking for a people to unify with the world, but to change the world. Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 14 says, for once you were, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things made manifest by the light. I'm sorry. Even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things are exposed and manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The only way the church can unify with the world is for the world to repent. It's just that simple. Mark 2, verse 17 says, And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I do not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. So just because we are not joining allies, we are not joining forces with the world, doesn't mean that our burden for the world is any less. Actually, it's intensified. Because if we love them, if we love the world, the light that is in us has to expose the darkness in them. If the darkness is not exposed, then the darkness is a hold of a of a um a desperate people the darkness is holding a people that don't know And so it's up to the sons of god to call the world to repentance do not be deceived this is first corinthians 15 evil company corrupts good habits awake to righteousness and do not sin for some do not have the knowledge of god i speak this to your shame paul was giving it to the corinthians in that verse Right now, more than ever, we don't need to be promoting the idea of unity with the world, but declaring to the world, awake to your righteousness. We need bold sons of God like Daniel in this season to stand up no matter how unpopular it is and say, you know what? I'm gonna open, because you decreed that, I'm not only gonna pray to my God, I'm going to open the windows so the whole town sees me praying to my God. He could, have, he could have prayed with the windows closed, but he went home and he opened the windows and he got on his knees and he faced Jerusalem and he said, I'm going to pray to my God and I will not bow to the images of Baal. And then we have, I'm sorry, and I know I go here a lot, but I don't have a lot of patience with people that are supposed to be shepherds, that are supposed to be leading God's people. And we're putting Facebook posts like, let's unify. Unify with what? You want to unify with killing babies? Let's unify with that. Do you want to unify with the destruction of a of a, of the a household of a family structure that God? Ha- has set up. Let's unify with that. Great. Let's lead God's people astray. We need more Daniels to stand up and say, I don't care what you say. I will never conform, but be ye transformed. You see, I have the vision. I have what the world needs. We have what the world needs. It's called transformation because we've been transformed. I will never conform to this world, but, but you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's easy. It goes like this. Jesus, save me. It goes like this, God, I'm going to worship you. God, I'm going to seek you no matter what happens. And I don't care if I die. Daniel knew that he could die. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood in front of that fiery furnace and said, God will save us. And, they, and I love it. They, they actually said, we don't even need to speak to you, king, because God's going to save us. And then they said this. They said, but even if he doesn't, even if he leaves us to die here, we will never bow to Baal and us as risen nation as a church we will never bow to baal we will never unify with evil and this is a timely message because it's the last service in this building we are stepping into a new season and i believe that the world is getting darker and darker and the intensity the fire is going to be burning hotter and harder and the pressure is mounting on sons of god on pastors on ministers on children of god on christians to conform to the world and they're canceling things and they're shutting us down they're taking away our freedoms but god is calling daniels god is calling esther's to stand up in the courts of the of the world and say we will not conform we will not unify I don't care if it sounds good. I don't care if we put a, a beautiful image of people hugging and kissing. We will not associate in this house with evil. And we will not let spirits come and mess with our people because it sounds good and invite things into our house because we haven't been praising. And even if we have been praising, the Lord says we've allied with that which is not of me. So fix that and come and praise me. Jesus does not desire unification. He desires righteousness. Mark 10, 34 says, do not think that I came to bring peace. This is Jesus talking. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. It sounds intense. He who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. This is the level of intensity that God is requiring in this season. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 25, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from his goats. Romans 1.1, Paul said, I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God. In this season, God is dividing the sheep from the goats. He is setting apart for himself worshipers and those that don't necessarily know what to do, but our eyes are on Jesus. So I'm here to encourage you, anything that you've been struggling with, anything that you've been trying to do yourself. There are some of us in this room that are within the sound of my voice that are connected to the things that we need to detach from. And I don't mean, I don't mean evil, sinful things necessarily. I mean things that are holding us back, things that we think are gonna give us some sort of peace, things that we, we think are gonna give us some sort of victory, we think are gonna give us some sort of, uh, of pleasure. We think that we are gonna have our victory in whatever we are searching for. God is saying, I need a people that will be still before me and worship and praise in my gates. I need a people that above all else will separate themselves unto me. God is looking for a people that will separate themselves. He is looking for the setting apart of his worshipers and he is dividing the sheep and the goats. You see, goats are independent. Goats just do whatever they want, but sheeps always follow the shepherd. God is after a people that always have their eyes on him. And no matter what the world says, no matter where the world takes us, God is after his pillars. He said about the church of Philadelphia in Revelation, I will make you, because you have overcome, I will make you a pillar in the house of the Lord. So I'm here to tell you, risen nation, God is going to make you, if you overcome, a pillar in the house of the Lord. That means that God can build on you that God can have a foundation on you, that God can build others up because of who you are. He's gonna make you a pillar in his house. The only unity we need right now is for God's people to unify and worship and glorify our one true king. Everything else we are hearing today, it's just conforming to the world. Jesus is moving like a lion in this season, not a lamb. We heard it last week, my uncle said it. He is the lion, someone say the lion. The lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Hosea eleven ten says, they shall walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. And when he roars, then his sons shall come trembling from their west. God is roaring like a lion. I said, he is roaring like a lion and there's no one that can stand before him, but he needs his army. I said, he needs his, his army. He needs his sons. He needs his warriors who will not conform, who will not unify. We said, you can come to repentance. I will love you. I will pray for you. I will pray that God saves your soul, but I will never conform to you. I will never think like you. And it's not a haughty thing. It's a glorifying Jesus thing. Amos 3.8, a lion has roared. Someone say a lion has roared. A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, but who can prophesy? Hosea 5, 14 says, for I will be like a lion to Ephraim and a young lion to the house of Judah. To the house of praise, I will be a lion. I, even I, will tear them and go away. We're gonna read these two lines and take away the the word them because it's not there. So I'm gonna read it without them. The translators added it, but what it's really saying is, I, even I, will tear and go away. I will take away and no one shall rescue. God is separating for himself. I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Somebody say amen. Stand to your feet. As the world cries, unity, unity. God is saying separation, separation. I am calling to myself those who are godly. I am setting apart to myself those who are worthy. I am am calling out to myself my praisers. Psalms 27, I'm just gonna read the whole chapter to you. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. I said, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek you, Jesus, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You ought to lift your hands. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. He will hide me in the pavilion of praise. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Is there anybody here who wants to offer a sacrifice of joy? You ought to lift your voice. I will sing. Yes, I will sing. As the worship team comes back, we just want to sing one more song. I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face. My heart will say to you, Father, Lord, your face will I see. Hey, thanks so much for joining today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. If you'd like more information about our church and the events we have going on throughout the week, or even for prayer requests, you can visit us at risennation.org for more information. Grace and peace to you today.